0: We come now to the Word. I have two short passages this morning that I imagine are pretty familiar to you. The first is very simply John 3.16. Listen to the Word of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And also from Paul's letter to the Romans. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray. Lord, as we think upon these two short verses and think upon the whole of your word, We pray that you would guide our hearts, you would guide our minds and our thoughts as we stand before you and seek to listen to your word, your spirit moving in our hearts and lives. Lord, we love you. Guide us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the question, simple question. How do you think God feels about you? What do you suppose he's thinking about you? What do you expect him to do with you? I'm asking about your relationship with God. I actually, really, I'm asking about what you believe God's relationship to be with you in the last few weeks we've talked about how central relationship in particular this relationship is to everything in life and so it begs the fundamental question a question that we tend not to ask that directly but it hovers under the surface and it's the question that affects everything about how we live And about how we see the world. The last two weeks, we saw that all meaning and purpose in the world comes from our relationship with God. It is sourced in this that God made us, and He called us good, all of creation. And He called us, human beings, that we are made in His image to reflect His glory. But last week we saw the fall. We saw the fall where all of us have been affected by Adam and Eve's original sin. Where we and we looked at how sin begins as a heart attitude, a, a posture toward God. And, and in that posture of, of simply not trusting God, we have a mind to think that we're better off making decisions for ourselves about about what fruit we can eat, about, uh, about what is right and wrong. And Adam and Eve chose to disobey God an act of their will. And this heart and this mind and this will turned against God is what sin is. It is us moving to take the place of God to be God. And, and then we quickly looked at the consequences which explain everything about the way things are in this world and, and in our lives, we, that we are left alienated from God and all the brokenness and all the mortality of this world is explained by the fall. And, and we can't get back. We can't fix it. And there's nothing that we can ultimately do about it. It's beyond us to make things right. So, in that setting, at that point in the story, and that under those circumstances, let me ask the question again. How do you think God feels about you? What is he thinking for you? Well, what do you expect them to do about you, man? Right here, it's it's kind of a terrifying prospect, isn't it? it it's terrifying primarily because of our betrayal. Uh, it, it's easier to just ignore the question, or or to deny the existence of God at all. Virtually all other world religions, in one way or another, are are trying to, in essence, earn back God's favor. And trying to make our way back to that garden. Because otherwise, he's just too terrifying to face. But in the end, the reality is, we have nowhere else to go. So we have to face him despite what we think he might feel about us. Despite what he ought to feel about us. He should be all anger and justifiable wrath. But then we come to this passage, and it tells us as, as clearly as any other how God feels about you and what he's thinking in regard to you and, and what he's done about it. So we've got to begin by just noting that we are the world. Remember that old song? we are the world we are the world in this passage and it's easy for Christians to sit safely inside the strong walls of a church and think that there's us and then there's the world but don't have that illusion here we are part of the sin fallen sin ravaged world that John is writing of but This is what we see when we finally see God. His love. This is His His posture toward us. Even now, after everything we've thought, felt, and done about Him, He loves us. Our redemption begins with His heart of love for us. We also see his mind toward us in this passage. First, remember last week, the moment when Eve had her her mind changed by a lie. The lie is that you can disobey God and live. It's It's a simple lie, right? You will not die, said the serpent. It was a lie that she believed about life and death. This is God's mind. If we believe, not the serpent's lie, but the son's salvation, we will live. Now we will not die. Our story will not end in death. But we will live. And we will live eternally, forever. This, and that is God's mind for us, his plan then we get his will his his action this is what he does about it back in the garden we exerted our will to be like god and decide for ourselves what is best for us what is right and wrong and we turned from god and alienated ourselves from him and we were locked out of the garden and the fullness of his presence the way we used to have it but this this is what he did He did not leave us in isolation, in alienation, in loneliness. He has not left us alone. We couldn't get back to him. So he came to us. He sent his son. In this passage, we see his heart, his mind, and his will for us. This is how God feels about you. He loves you. This is what he thinks, what he thinks that he wants you to live together with him forever. And this is what he's done about it. When we couldn't get to him, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. So that's the heart of the story. And here's what happened when he sent his son. We see it in the next verse. And and it's good to know, especially in the light of this whole story that we've been talking about. He sent His Son. He's not here to condemn us. That would be justified. This would be the right consequence for for our denial of Him as God. But He's not here to condemn us. He's here to save us. Here's the story. He sent His Son. And we didn't recognize Him when He showed up, not for the most part, some did, but even then, not, most, not fully, but most didn't recognize him. And, and by his teaching and his actions, there was different responses, but a, a good portion of them, he threatened people's sense of being in charge, particularly, ironically, as I stand up here, uh, religious authorities. They liked their power. They like their position. And they were threatened by him so deeply that they had him killed. We crucified him. This is the final turning away of God. It is what Adam and Eve and all of us have done when we decide simply not to trust him. We crucify him. But his death, his death became the means of our salvation. God came to us in Jesus, and He bore the consequences of our sin upon Himself, and then He died for us, and then He rose from the dead. This is what it this is, what this means is that He satisfies the debt of our sin by His death, and He rose to new life. And now now we no longer be, need be alienated from God. And our story if we can trust now, just trust him. Our story does not end at death. So how how can we respond? You know, what's the proper response here? We've seen the good news, but it it requires a response. And the response is very simply, we believe. We believe. This is not just that we believe, believe in God and call ourselves Christians. This is an active trust that God loves us, came to us, and His salvation is sufficient for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and believe that we can live with him eternally even now our proper response to Jesus is laid out a little more fully in Romans 10 9 we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord this is, this is our action that we confess with our mouth and, and that is very simply a, a simple profession of faith that I'm not God Jesus is I don't make up right and wrong. God is in charge. Jesus is Lord, not me, but Jesus. Can you imagine if Adam and Eve had just responded to the serpent this way? But we can now to Jesus. And then it goes on conf- that we, after this confessing that Jesus is Lord that we would believe in our heart. This is believe in heart. This is when thinking and feeling come together, as they should. It's nice when our minds and our hearts and our emotions and the ways that we think all come together in harmony. And we believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead. This is our heart's posture This is actively trusting without any sneering that God's work of salvation on the cross, culminating in the empty tomb, is sufficient for our salvation. It satisfies all justice. Everything. All the consequences of our sin. And it gives us new life with God forever. So the last two weeks we've looked at creation how God makes us makes everything and calls it good gives everything in creation value and we are made in we are made in his image to reflect his glory remember Westminster brought it up last week that our chief end our purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever we do that first and foremost by trusting Jesus' lordship and salvation. We can know how God feels about us, what he thinks about us, what he has done for us, and that is the deepest satisfaction that we could ever have. Did you hear that word satisfaction too? It reminds me of the John Piper statement similar to Westminster, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. We can be satisfied when we know, when we believe, when we trust, when we have all confidence in and and believe in that God loves us. That's His heart toward us. His desire is that we would live with Him forever. That's His mind and His will sent His Son to save us from sin and death, by the cross and the empty tomb. And then each one of who believes is in that place of living eternal life even now. Even in this fallen world, knowing and growing in that satisfaction of having Jesus as Lord and Savior, fundamentally that's what we do when we come to worship. We love Him because He first loved us. And then we can truly be growing in love until we can truthfully say, as the great commandment calls us to, that we love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Have you known people? Have you had people in your life that you can look at them and it's like you can see God's love beaming through them because they're so filled with it? that it puts you in awe. I've been blessed as a pastor to have had people in my life in whom their satisfaction in Jesus as Lord and Savior beams out of them. Um, one woman, a woman named Darlene, uh, her childhood in marriage you could only characterize by pain. And then in her later decades into her 70s, See, her body betrayed her, and she lived for decades in in physical pain. But when you met Dar- Darlene, when you met her, this is what you immediately saw in her: that she loved Jesus, because she was constant, constantly startled by how deeply and fully He loved her. All she wanted to do was praise Him, and if you got Darlene praying. You were going to be there a while. In her last hours in the hospital room, shortly near the end of my last ministry at Fourth Presbyterian Church, I I held her hand as I read psalms to her. And I I didn't know if she could hear me or, or if she even knew I was there. But I read and I prayed for her for probably a couple hours. And I told her how much all of us in the church loved her and how much God loved her and how how much she'd shown all of us the love of God and how present he was in her all along, but especially right there. As I said goodbye to her, still holding her hand, she squeezed mine, and I knew she heard it. She heard it all. And and that God truly was with us together in that moment. There comes a point in our life where all that's left is love. And I'm blessed as a pastor to have sat with people in their last hours and seen the, the veil between heaven and earth lifting, clearing. And in that moment... with with a number of people in that condition. You can see how in those times when all earthly things are being lost, to see satisfaction and contentment and, and love and peace just welling up in that place and to feel the presence of God together. This passage of John, everyone knows it. Even, even much of the secular world knows this passage. And it can be tritely said, even with a sneer, at least when the fuller context and the meaning of it is not known. But when the cont- in the context of the whole story, the whole story of Scripture, the whole story of the universe, and, and the whole story of each one of our heart's longings, This passage is the summation of the gospel. This is the good news. God sent his son that all who believe would have eternal life. The life that we were meant to have back in the garden, walking together in the full presence of God, reflecting his goodness and glory. We have that now as we grow in sanctification while we look to Jesus and see his love. And we have that forever when the veil between heaven and earth is finally removed. Believe. Believe. Let's pray. Lord, so much in this world is seeking to distract us, to lead us astray, but this is what we know of this world. We have gone astray, each one of us, and it's terrifying to look to you, but we see your promise in your word that you love us, that you love us still and and you have done everything we need in your love. God, help us to trust you, to be our God and our Savior, to be everything we need. Lord, help us to know how to respond every moment, every day in worship to you. Help us to know how to come to belief, to just simply say, I do believe you are the Lord and Savior. And and in the years of that living in that faith, may we grow. And every time we have an opportunity to worship you with our lives, that is our response of faith, Lord, is worship. we have moments of opportunity to respond in different ways. And we do, even as we come to this time of offering in a few moments, and as the plates are passed, we respond with our tithes and our offerings. But in this time, as we sing the doxology and as we just simply listen to music, we respond to your word of love, to your your John 3.16, that you love us. Lord, we respond with worship of our whole lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.